Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you want to have fun and have scratchers to scratch, there's a playful way you can do just that. Scratch with the key or acrylic nail. Scratch with the quill from a porcupine tail. Use a belt buckle from your friend Lamar. Or scratch with your pick while you play guitar. You can scratch in a bunch of different playful ways. Scratchers from the California lottery. A little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini where we dig into things that we've been watching, yes, recently. I had to think about that for a moment. I'm Terry. And I am Mary Beth. And this week we are talking a fantastic sci-fi epic in the making. Ooh. Found footage that made MB scream. Hey, that's me. Uh, queer slasher on a boat. Hee hee hee. Corn. Uh, a period set found footage film. Ooh. Two found footage films this week. Wow. Um, and, one and of Chucky them is not and Drag. Betts. I know. And Chucky and Drag. And Chucky and Drag. Oh my god, so, I cannot wait to talk about the end oh. of Chucky season two. What the fuck? Yeah, so before we do get into all of that, though, Patreon, if you are subscribed, your new seltzer will be out, is out, as was well, we're recording right now. So it'll be yep. out if you're listening to this on Friday. Um, it's a wild one from what I remember. Little. It's very funny. I gag. So <laughs> yeah. if you like to see me in pain, ooh, never mind. <laughs> Let's not go down that route. 50-50 <laughs> chance I edit that out of the episode. <laughs> so 50-50. Not quite sure yet. Um, yeah, we have that. On next Wednesday, what do we have, Mary Beth? <laughs> we have... An incredible conversation about the 2021 One. film New Order by Michelle Franco. Um, it's on Hulu if you want mm-hmm. to subject yourself to this movie before our discussion. 
I'm sorry. There's no other way to describe it. <laughs> there there really is isn't. no other way to describe it. There really isn't. So before listening, before watching, listening and watching, watching the movie and or listening, just check the trigger warnings because it's like trigger warning for every possible thing you could think of. So yeah, that'll be up on Wednesday. It's a good conversation for a very uh, divisive movie. Yes, I really hated it. Um, and so Terry and I have a very good conversation, especially about like the line between like the French extremity and this. And like, it was a really good, really, really awesome like, talk. Yeah. And thank God, I think that's the kind of movie that demands that kind of discussion. To, like... And I've been like wanting to have a discussion about this film with someone for like two years now. So I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad we got to do that. Yeah, and I still off. don't know how I truly feel about that movie. Yeah, me, so me neither, me neither. Yeah, I I mean I do have brief update from Milf Manor. Nothing. Oh, too exciting. oh yeah yeah yeah. Milf Nothing Manor too exciting. <laughs> I this was a I'm starting to to realize that this show doesn't know what it wants to do. Oh, now you're starting to. <laughs> well, I, I see this because I, I looked at. I looked at what episode we're on. We're on episode six, and I looked at how many there's supposed to be. And apparently, according to IMDb, there's eight episodes. And I'm like, oh, cool! So you have no idea like how this is going to wrap up whatsoever, or if it will. Maybe, maybe they're trying to like make Milf Manor like uh, Beverly Hills, you know, or Wives of Kumbaya type thing. Because maybe they just want to keep. I don't. I don't understand what is happening. All I know is that this episode was boring as fuck. The only part that, like, made me cringe, because there's always a part that's going to make me cringe. There's yeah. two, actually. One <laughs> is they're all getting massages blindfolded by the boys, and the boys were also blindfolded. So eventually okay. the boy and the women are, I mean, they're laying down, so they're, they're laying on their stomachs, but they're topless. And so they're, like, rubbing up and down, and the boys don't know if they're going to be, which one is going to be their mom. Except one of them, Lisa Wilcox, was moaning. And her oh uh, my gosh, she was moaning. No, not her the son moaning. Realized that it was his mom that he was massaging that was moaning. And in a confessional, she says that she really loved that one. So that's awkward for her to watch back, I'm sure. And then Joey, the youngest boy in the mansion, who is interested in the oldest woman in the mansion. Aww. says i'll be around for the rest of your life <laughs> and he was flirting and i'm like i don't know if that is the thing you want to say to a 59 year old i'll be around for the rest of your life uh-huh uh-huh and then the rest what? of the episode was just terrible it was just boring as fuck but yeah oh my god i know this is probably going to shock you mary beth but i don't think anyone in this house is going to find love Spoiler you know, alert. I think I might agree with you because it sounds like they barely <laughs> found out who the other any of the other people are yeah. at all. Yeah, you win dates, and so it's like one or two people end up going. What well, couples go on a date, an episode, and I'm like, this seems kind of productive, but okay, yeah, whatever. That's that's Milf Manor. <laughs> I want to hear about this found footage that made you scream. Speaking of scream, screaming, moaning. Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. So Dutch Marriage has put out the second film in the Horror in the High Desert series. This is Horror in the High Desert 2, Minerva. So as as of the publication of this episode, it should be on Prime Video. It might not be. It's kind of like in the air. It will be on Prime Video very soon. Um. So this is the sequel, obviously, to his first film, Horror in the High Desert, which is a found footage film. 
which follows um, a guy named Gary. He is, and and it's basically like a pseudo documentary about like him disappearing. And the end is like one of like the fucking scariest things okay. I've seen in a long time. Don't spoil. Oh, no, the I'm new just one saying. Is this the new one? This is the the first one. Oh, the first one. Okay. So and Gary, like, it, we all know that Gary's like it's obvious that Gary, like, the whole thing is about him being like his disappearance and like why he disappeared. And so the second one picks up and kind of expands on the reasoning why Gary has disappeared and like what he found when he was okay. going out. He he was going out and like to the middle of nowhere, like kind of like you know adventurer going out in the desert two to three days and people knew and this expands upon what happened in a way that is like even more of the scary shit of the mm. first one but like packed in even more i think i it's really cool to see how dutch is expanding the world of horror in the high desert because i know he wants to do a series because the, the second one ends on like a note of where there'll be a third one which is interesting because it's kind of he's building this like web of conspiracy theories which i think mm. is really fascinating i think the only problem here is the movie's an hour and 14 minutes and he packs a lot of shit into an hour and 14 minutes and so it can feel a little bit confusing as to like okay what is going like who and what and everything but like that aside there is some like incredible tense prolonged tense moments where i'm like please end i can't do this i yelled at my at my screen at one point I is this the movie you tweeted about right yes this was the movie i tweeted about that i might i had my shirt over my face like which by the way i love that you do that because i do that too oh fuck yeah that's like a signifier of how scared yeah like over my face i was going like this are again like i don't do that a lot it's really, really effective and it scares. I think that awesome. Dutch uses the format of found footage and also uses sound design really well mm. um, because a lot of the horror that's going on is invoked via like these really weird... I can't even describe the sound, so it's not even a spoiler because like I couldn't fucking explain to you what the sound was. There's some really harrowing stuff going on in this movie and I, I'm really excited to see like where he goes with it. Awesome. I'm excited. I don't like give out too much away, but yeah, basically it follows the format of ex- and expands upon like what happened to Gary in the first movie is like not an isolated incident, and there's something going on in like the creepy weirdness desert of Nevada. So that's exciting. Won't give I'm, too much away, but I'm excited. I'm going to watch yeah. the first one this weekend for sure, and maybe I'll watch the second one too. Yeah, I mean, I'm like really excited. Yeah, the first one is really good. Second one's even scarier. Uh, he he does he does he gets into the scares quicker. I okay. think is really like what comes down to it. So this will be on Amazon Prime soon. Hope soon. Yeah, that was what I was what I've been told by Dutch himself. So if you are a fan of the first one, definitely check this one out. And if you haven't watched the first one, just check that one out too. Again, it's a short one and it's really good. So highly recommend. Yeah, man. Like I haven't been that freaked out watching a movie in a while steve i was watching it in bed on my ipad and steve laid down next to me and at one point i go ookie spooky and i grabbed his leg (laughs) (laughs) he's like you good i'm like yes it's just scary so i yelled at one point i yelled what the fuck and he was like are you okay and i was like yes that's hilarious so if that's a good that should be a ringing endorsement for me Caveat was the last film that wigged you out, Kate. Yeah, Caveat fucked me up too. Yeah. That movie's oof. That's there's that moment of pure tension in that one that just like really But what about 
Okay, I'm going to switch around a little bit because I want to hear about your found footage. So let's just like found footage corner. So what, what is your period set found footage? I actually didn't look on Letterboxd because I wanted to be surprised. I could have very easily looked at what this was, but I like being surprised. I saw a little film called 1974 La Possession de Altair because <gasps> we talked about it recently. Made myself lightheaded doing that. Because <laughs> 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 they're really hot. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Um, we had talked about it recently. I can't remember with who it came up in a conversation. And I honestly... It did. Super recently. Like, super yeah. recently. I don't know if it was a Little Cuts or if it was... I think it was a Little Cuts. Was it? I could not remember. I but know. I just remembered that it it came up and I was like, shit, I think I own that one. Because <laughs> Cauldron Films put it out. And I bought that. I did buy that one with Col- the Collinswood... Yep, Colin. Collinswood Story. Story, yeah. So, yeah... Uh, Mary Beth's talked about this on the show before. I'm pretty sure. I'm fairly certain. 99% certain that you talked about it. I have. I watched it. I actually watched it as part of the Unnamed Footage Festival, but their online version like two years ago. <laughs> two years ago. Yeah. Okay. So, I, I mean. God, there's... that was two years ago. <laughs> what is time? Fuck. Anyway, sorry. We're coming up on our, what? Shh. 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 Old. Four? Is it four? <laughs> yes, it's going to be four. I think it's going to be four. 2019 to 2023. Yeah, it'll be f- Jesus. Okay. Um. Now I'm feeling old. Uh. Yeah, so it's 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 set in 1974. It, it nails the look of 1974 so perfectly. Um. I kept getting... Yes, Kate is. It is in in Spanish, and it it's about um. It's so it takes place in Mexico, and it's set in 1974, and they're using like period specific cameras for it, and so like the look of the film was giving me like Skinnamarink vibes, not necessarily the content of the film, but the look of the film to the point that there's like uh, this one really freaky moment where it is like someone sitting in a um a cellar stairwell. And oh, it's the best, isn't it? It's so good. That it's fucking, so good. I have screenshots like of every frame of that because I'm like, this is like how you make a fucking scare because you can barely see what's going on. Barely. Yeah. It's incredible. And it's the same thing that I that I said in my review about Skinner Inc. Where like once you start to see the darkness with like the very dirty screen that you start to like see things writhing in the darkness, even with there not being anything. And so there's this this moment just kind of plays out almost like. Uh, the moment from Hereditary, where people start to like maybe realize, oh, you know, because like yeah. I was like, oh fuck, and then and then uh, Cass was like, oh fuck, like <laughs> it was just like you don't really notice it until just, you do. I love how much your roommate. I always forget that Cass watches almost all of this with you, and I'm like, Cass mm-hmm. is getting like the full indie horror motherfucker experience oh, yeah. living with you, like. Who, you're like probably one of the 50 now one of like the 50 people that have seen La Possession de <laughs> I know but yeah it, it's really good it's just about this 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 young newlywed couple um she ends up acting weird um weird things about her past start to like maybe coalesce and things start to happen around the house she starts to build this brick wall in their living in their bedroom I think somewhere out of these bricks that just get mailed to her and she paints them black and she starts like it's just really weird um i will say that i did figure out where it was ultimately going based on some like uh, little tropey things but it's still i love the ending even though like i was like this is what's gonna happen 
but it's still. I still I love like, it though. I love how they frame oh, it. Absolutely, how they frame it, and then it's not that. I won't spoil it, but like I was super stoked on that. That oh, so good. But there's a there's also a moment. There's the husband is walking through the woods mm-hmm. for a long time with just a flashlight. And that's all, and like not a lot happens, but it's super tense of him just yeah. like that. It's very Blair Witch in terms mm-hmm. of like him just in the woods looking for. I think it's his wife. But yeah. this movie, I was trying to. This movie is a twenty initially a twenty sixteen release, but like nobody saw it. So I think last year was when Cauldron Films put it out with the Collingswood story, which is actually one of the first screen life movies ever made. Oh. Um, Collingswood story from two thousand and one. Oh, it's from 2001? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, it's oh, from, wow. like, super... Yeah, no, it's, it's like, it's super... It's, like, looks the way it does because it's from 2001. Like, he was... The director was making it with, like... Without knowing, like, what Unfriended would be. Um, Hell yeah. So, yeah, if you... You have to watch... Guys, 1774 La Possession de Altair it's is, so like, good. one of these, like, found footage hidden gems that more people need to see. And, like, it's not... It's, like, it's well-made... It's a period piece, so it's filmed on, like, I think, like, 16 or 35 millimeters, so it's, like, super grainy, or at least it has that appearance. And the twist, I think, is super fucking cool. It is cool. Like, even if you can see it coming, I don't think I did, but, like, I don't know, I'm dumb. Um, (laughs) I I just, like, you know, we've we've talked about this before with, like, Sixth Sense, where I go into a movie, and I'm just, like, looking for the twist. And I think you had mentioned that it has, like, a... A big what the fuck ending and so i was like already yeah. kind of primed to be looking for something and so that's I was like, true oh, that's fair when i first happen. saw it i knew i knew nothing i was just like oh yeah we're gonna watch this it's really good it's like super weird and i was like cool and then but it's good i also really like this you have been indoctrinated <laughs> and you've been indoctrinated into the found footage cult <laughs> i win speaking of cults let's talk about corn <laughs> Wow, incredible segue. So, okay, everybody, I watched the new Children of the Corn movie that is go- is now in theaters. Uh, 2023 Children of the Corn. Directed by Kurt Wimmer. The, the mind behind Ultraviolet. I'm not here to tell you it's a good movie. I, I'm, but I'm also not here to call it a terrible movie. I am here to call it an, an incredible sci-fi original movie that is, like, definitely not good. But is a good, it is an enjoyable, like, creature feature watch if you want to drink or, like, I don't think it's terrible. You know, actually, it's, like, so bad it's good. It kind of loops around to that. And, like, it's one of those things that is camp. And it's how I kind of talk about, like, Winnie the Pooh. Like, it doesn't know it's camp. So that's why it's, like, perfect camp because it doesn't know it's camp. But, like, this new one almost functions like a prequel it's not a, it's like it's new characters we don't have like the couple showing up in the town it actually takes place at the town before all the parents die and we find out that like the corn is dying the parent the land is dying they poison the crops with these like pesticides or chemicals and they're trying to figure out what to do because now like this town is dying it's in nebraska um shocking and then basically it's like the te- one of the teenagers watching this all happen and the little kids kind of going rogue and this teenage girl is kind of, like, the beacon of trying to help and, like, kind of that bridge between adults and, like, little kids. And it's her trying to, like, fight back against the evil children who have, like, been influenced by the man in the corn. Um, It's brutal. Like, the thing is, like, again, dialogue isn't great. It's, like, a little cheese. 
the CGI isn't great, but like some of the kills are downright brutal. Like I've I enjoyed like they didn't shy away from gore in terms of like people getting ripped in half, like eyeballs getting torn out. So like we have really pretty decent gore. Um I I've seen people say that the lead girl isn't scary. I thought she was really I liked her quite a bit, especially cuz she's a fucking child. So like it's not a great movie, but like it's kind of fun and like a, ooh, this is certainly something that happened. I'm not sure you should pay to watch it in a theater. I would wait till it comes out on streaming. I, I'm i pro- this is probably the nicest super view you'll ever hear about this movie, which is so terrible and I feel bad. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, it's a, ch- it's a children of the core movie. None of them have been that great. It exists. So I took the bullet for you. And actually had, look, I had more fun with it than I was expecting. I think my expectations were so low that I was like, okay, you know what? You have some pretty good twists and you have like a bloody pit full of corn with some cool shit going on in it. Ah, I'll take it. You know, this could have been worse. Um, so yeah, I'll see the, the corn. <laughs> I know, could have been worse, but you know. Um, but moving from corn, expanding the scope quite a bit, uh, what is this fantastic sci-fi epic in the making? Oh my gosh. If I had known what this show was about, I probably would have started watching it a bit earlier. So there is this Apple TV show. It's now in its third season. It's called For All Mankind. And how I saw it was like pitched was just like, it's following the space race. As if the space race never ended was like the kind of pitch. And I was like, uh, okay, historical fiction, boo not really on this board i'm kind of boring i was a little curious about it because ronald moore the guy that created that did the battlestar galactica remake that was like so excellent did you ever see that oh no i didn't but I, i know of it yeah so he did that and then um so like this is him kind of space and i was like okay and then i started watching it and it starts out I heard a lot, so like I'm not hearing a lot of people talk about this, but everyone that has talked about it has said great things about it. So I was like, okay, I have no TV to watch. I want to watch this. So I started watching it, and it opens up with like JFK um, talking about the space race and how embarrassing and bad it would be to fail this, you know, psyching up to getting the first person on the moon. And then it cuts to like everyone watching as the lunar landing is happening. The astronaut steps off the the shuttle and starts speaking in Russia, in Russian. So <laughs> speak it in Russia. In Russia, starts speaking in Russian, and so it posits: What if Russia got to the moon first, and that's why the space race never stopped? Is because we were trying to like compete with Russia during the Cold War to kind of one up them. So in the second episode, Russia sends its second cosmonaut on the moon, and it ends up being a woman. So all of a sudden, Nixon is like, we got to get a woman team of astronauts together because they they still haven't put anyone on the moon. And so they get this team of of women astronauts going on there. So it tackles um, female pilots, it tackles um, people of color. One of the, the women pilots that is trying to become an astronaut, um is a black woman there is a queer woman and so it's tackling sort of like but see the thing is is that back then if you you could not have a security clearance and be outwardly queer 
If people found out, oh, you, if people found out you were queer, you got fired. You lose God your security clearance. Bless. Because you could, it could be a blackmailing piece. Um, same with mental illness. You could not be seeing psychiatrists. You could not be seeing anyone uh, because otherwise that shows weakness and you could lose your security clearance. So it's tackling that with PTSD from a, from an astronaut that comes back from space. It's tackling um, women going to uh, set up on, on, on the moon, queer people having to hide who they are. So it's tackling a lot of that while at the same time being a thing about like hope for the future. And the first season is about them getting to the moon. The second season so far, I'm about halfway through it is about them setting up a base on the moon. And I believe in the third season, it's the journey to Mars. So, and this is all happening. Like right now it's in 1984 when I'm, when I'm watching it. So it's like progressing as if everything were accelerated and Oh, cool. it's fucking fantastic. Joel Kinnaman's in it, which is yeah. cool. And so is Michael Dorman, which is cool. Michael Dorman is in uh, Daybreakers, aka one of my favorite vampire movies of all time that like no one that. else thinks. Ethan Hawke. Sorry. <laughs> also, uh, Lost Connection, Penny from Lost is in this. <gasps> Penny! And she is a badass. She looks, she looks like, she reminds me she gives off the kind of like um, Linda Hamilton T two. Oh aura. shit! Okay, she's like cool. butch, take no nonsense. Like, I love her, and she is absolutely fantastic in this. It's just, it's so good, it's so good. Apple TV is actually pretty much is pretty killing it. Yeah. Okay, I honestly probably wouldn't have watched this, but now that this no. I do, wouldn't have either. Once I found out the first five minutes, I was like, well, if shit, if they had told me this, I might have been more interested. Okay. <laughs> cool. But yeah. So that's oh, uh, yeah. For All Mankind. Sick. And then we both watched. We both watched a queer slasher on a boat. Yeah. What was this, Mary Beth? This is Wreck, which is exclusively streaming on Hulu. It initially premiered in the UK. It is now streaming exclusively in the States on Hulu, uh, where we follow... I've seen the first two episodes. I don't know, Terry, about you. Okay. So far, it's basically like a slasher. It's like a slasher with a bunch of people working on a cruise ship, which are notoriously terrible places to work. And I'm surprised we haven't seen more shit on cruise ships. And as we've seen, our villain is dressed like a duck, which is the, um, the mascot. mascot. But it follows a young guy whose sister, who we see in the cold open... Has gone missing, died. We know it's not really like super clear in the cold open, but he's coming on to basically do like investigative mission to figure out where she is and what happened to her. And on like while he's doing this, he's also kind of building a little family of weird of little weird queer kids. Like they're adults, but they're like in their nineteen twenties. Like they're they're adults, but barely. He is gay. Um, I think Vivian is her name. Who he hooks Mm -hmm. up with is gay um there's, there's a, a trans, trans actress the trans actress um the writer uh, and creator ryan j brown is also queer himself so it's just like super gay um and it's darkly it's like it's not a horror it's it's horror comedy but it's like dark funny it's not mm-hmm. super funny it doesn't like rely as much on the humor it's got the like dry british it's british humor to it yeah. that i like but I, I'm really enjoying it. I didn't know what to expect, but it's really smart. And it, it's not just about 
I think like the marketing leans into the duck, which I get, but I think a lot of it's about like found family and also mm. like dismantling structures that are fucked up. Cause you kind of see like, and I think it goes into it more, I think later about like how people are treated on the boat and like how there's levels of people on the, bo- of like workers yeah. on the boat. Cause we see that with like clicks at first, like performers are like this level and then people of color who are like, more like you know more laborers are kind of treated worse and worse so we see that as well it reminded me of triangle of sadness in that regard oh okay i still have to see that but it's definitely like doing a lot of critiquing of this industry which is i think really good because i think cruises are disgusting for a lot of reasons and i think it's kind of it's cool that ryan j brown is trying to like bring attention to that but also Mm -hmm. put like through a queer slasher lens um yeah, it's really it's really queer. Um, I'm having a lot of fun. All six episodes are now on Hulu. I'm going to be reviewing it with Joe, so we're doing an episode by episode. So we'll be we'll be watching it over the next few weeks. Um, Wait, did they only give us two episodes and they put all six out on Hulu? Well, that's not that's rude. Okay. <laughs> what is that? I know. What is that? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so if you want queer slasher. Television. The killer duck. We really are like horror TV is like really and like this is actually a pretty good transition for what for our Chucky our end of Chucky season two. But like horror TV is like pardon the pun, killing it. Like I finally am watching The Last of Us. Fucking incredible. We have Wreck. We have like we have so much other cool. Servant like, horror... is yeah. uh Yes. On its final run, it episode eight, I believe, premieres today, and it is a fucking killer episode. Probably my favorite of the series. The number of times I gasped, I gasped in it, is a lot. Um, so we have that. Yellow Jackets is coming back. Uh, the Dead Ringers adaptation is Dead coming Ringers, to, mm-hmm. to Amazon Prime or to Prime Video. Um, yeah, like we are in a, in a in a golden age of horror television. I mean, horror is incredible right now, but like horror TV, I think, is being slept on a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. But speaking of horror TV, speaking <laughs> yes. of like really good horror television, we finished Techie oh, season two. Yes, we, we are sure now did. caught up officially. We are caught up. I have now seen every thing. Of the Chucky <laughs> slash Child's Play franchise. Except the remake. <laughs> Whatever. In the canon. In the canon. In the canon. The, the ones that matter. Sorry, Aubrey Plaza, but... And I've even seen Living with Chucky, which I saw before I watched any of them, except for Child's Play. I know, that is so wild to me. Yeah, I never said I was smart about that, <laughs> but... Whatever. Uh, so yeah, so episode the so episode seven gives us um, the weirdest exorcism I think I've seen. Weirdest exorcism of all time, but the only exorcism I ever want. Iconic yeah. exorcism of Chucky as like a problem solving. So you get like black and white, like confessional flashbacks of everyone confessing their sins. Like the structure is incredible in this episode. It like, really is. It's so good. I'm like, this is a fucking show about a doll killing people and we have like these really in like these black and white flashbacks like Devin Sawa as the priest and Jake confessing his sins and then like Devin Sawa's priest and the nun like having these moments together and like it's these really 
and then I think there's a one with Glenda. Is there one with Glenda yeah. as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Glenda has one as well. It's like they're having these confessionals. We don't like at first you're like, what the fuck? But it's because they're gonna do an exorcism of Chucky. And they all have to be blessed. And they have to be, and to be clean. They have to yeah. be But um just like as you probably know, the rules don't apply to Chucky. But before that, we get we see our beautiful Nadine come back in a little like an adorable dress that's like flashing lights and stuff and it's like super cute and angelic as Lexi is like going back onto drugs because she's like this is way too much which is like an incredibly thoughtful portrayal of of, like teenage drug addiction like I know we said that we don't want to care about Lexi but like fuck god damn it they got me yeah yeah they really do make you care about her, which is so annoying because she sucks in the first season, at least for I the just, first half. But those, I, I just, I have a hard time still rooting for her just because she was so bad. In those I know, first two episodes, and I don't like episodes, fully root but... for her still. No, but, like, but with her going through the drug addiction stuff, I'm like, damn, like that was such a really sweet scene. Do. I know, and like Nadine is like, you are better, like you're already so strong, and like I'm crying because it's like, it's what she is saying about it can like be applied to other stuff. And I'm just like, Nadine is so pure. It's not fair. And she's like, everyone like goes to the amusement park in the sky. My ticket just came early. And I'm like, fuck you. This is too much for me to be watching. On, like a fucking Wednesday afternoon. There was part of me that was like really hoping that, uh, Chucky would inhabit her body or something because of the orange hair connection that they were setting that up. Cause I was like, I want more Nadine. I know. But no, he just occupies everyone else's fucking body. Yeah, the, the rules are getting a little flimsy flumsy See, for me. see, I've been on their asses since day one about what the <laughs> fuck the rules are of this fucking doll and the and the, the voodoo. Because, so they do, like, an exorcism of Chucky where, like, everyone is there. Devin Sawa is, like, performing the rites of exorcism. Doesn't he, when his confession, doesn't he come out? Isn't that him, like, kind of talking it, around the subject of it? M- maybe. Because, like, he was like, I knew that I was different, and I knew that the church didn't, but I wanted to be a priest. And she's Which is like, interesting, because I feel like you would, I feel like Don Mancini would, I guess it is pretty obvious, but at the same time, like, I feel like they'd be like, yeah, no, like, some were obviously queer, but at the same time, like, I can see that. <laughs> yeah. And then Chucky inhabits his body briefly and makes him explode. Like four times. Incredible explosion Sunday. scene. Absolutely <laughs> incredible explosion scene. Where we have yeah, we have Devin Sawa exploding. Uh we have just Chucky body hopping in ways that don't make sense to me. But that's fine. <laughs> I guess. I do wonder if this is like tying off the story of Andy and Kyle. Like I wonder if they are like exit stage left now. But like that's the thing, because they don't come back like the thing is, we have this, like, huge possession, like, possession slash exorcism scene. Uh, Devin Sawa explodes. The therapist runs out with the doll. And seven episode seven ends with, with um, Andy shooting what we think is the only Chucky doll left. Like, only Chucky mm-hmm. doll left. And then, like, in the next episode, they don't come up again. Yeah. So... I still, I still think they'll come back somehow because they, they, they keep. I don't think that they would not like have them have a more graceful exit, right? Like that has to be it. Please. I don't know. I mean, it, it felt like a like an 
you know, an, an exit series because of the, the, the callback to when they were kids walking out of the, the factory at the end of the second That's true. Run. So I'm like, is it? But the problem, I, like? I guess, the, I guess, I guess, like, because the problem, because like, we think at episode seven, you're like, okay, cool. So Chucky's done. Like, what yeah. else is left? Because we've also seen Glenn is shot. Glenn gets shot trying to save her mom, Tiffany, from being shot by Nika. Um, and then is it episode seven or eight where we have the truck hitting Tiff- like the Tiffany doll with Jennifer Tilly oh, inside of it? That was episode eight. And that surprised the fuck out of that me. That definitely got me too. That got me because then we have Jennifer Tilly dying. But in the body of, t- you know, you get, you all get, you all get what we're talking about here. The weird who is who and whose body shit. I still don't fucking know who Chucky, like who is who and Chucky, who, what, when, where, why. What the fuck? Um, my, my favorite though is that they get Glenn and Glenda back in the toy body, and Billy uh, Boyd returns Billy to Boyd voice returns. Glenn, Glenn and Glenda. GG. He returns, and I was like, ah. I was like, it was like so cool. It was exciting. It was very exciting. Yeah. Because we also like, they're setting up a lot of interesting stuff for season three then because like season seven or episode seven, you're like, cool. Like that, what else could happen? And eight is like this kind of cute, like Christmas episode where it's like the kids are back together for Christmas and trying to deal with their trauma. Lexi was in rehab. Like, Jake and Dylan are, like, kind of not doing great, struggling because of trauma. And they have this, like, you know, nice Christmas moment. While we also have, like, Tiffany, Jennifer Tilly and the Tiffany doll getting run over by a truck. We have Glenn and Glenn, Glenn and Glenda going back inside of the one toy body. So they are both. just deciding to go travel. Okay. Um, (laughs) sure. Fine whatever and um chucky's like not chucky's chucky's around y'all and what we find out is that chucky possessed the, the body knocks of the, f- the the psychiatrist possesses her body so that when they shoot chucky it's actually the therapist or the psychiatrist in the doll and she somehow has another doll that she has kept in her office that Chucky gets himself into. But then there's another doll. And I'm like, how many dolls are there? Because I thought yeah, the whole thing was another... like, there's a last one. Yep, there's another doll. Because Chucky comes down with the, with the quietest chainsaw imaginable. Absolutely incredible. Silent. 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 And ends up cutting through Lexi's mom. So now all the kids are orphans. That was fucked up with the mom yeah. getting, I mean, like, I hate that mom, but, like, she getting sliced and diced and, like, splitting in half. And, like, they oh, show it. Like, she moment. is splitting in half. Really good gore. As Chucky is in, like, a, a Santa Claus hat. Tiffany is like, you have no soul. These kids' parents on Christmas. Like, her, 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 they're, the, like, morality of the two of them is always so funny to watch. Like, mm-hmm. when they decide to have morals. Like, it's just incredible. Like, I love how many morals they're given that make no sense. But, like, it's incredible. Um, but then, like, we get the big fucking reveal that, like, the sis, the little sister has been playing the long con and the little, the bride doll that she got at the beginning was fucking Chucky and drag the whole goddamn time. 
I texted Terry, Chucky and drag in all caps. As he's like, he's literally taking out his contact. Like, it's like a drag queen get, uh-huh. get like get unready with me, taking out the contacts, wiping off the makeup, taking off the wig and the costume, and it's like, boom, bitch. Yeah, it's oh, it's like, so I was, good. It's, it's so, so it's good. so good. It's so camp. It's so camp. It's, and like it ends with like the little girl reading Voodoo for Dummies and Jennifer Tilly slash Tiffany in like this incredible like noir like very bound esque outfit. Mm. Oh, I was it was giving me like Matrix like Ma- yes like Ma- yeah. And then we get a call from Nika who did not die. Thank God I was waiting. Oh, I know. So she's still hunting Tiffany now, and I'm just like, damn. Okay. But is so uh, do you think Tiffany's alive or dead by the end of that? Cuz he's do you think Nika saves her or do, what do you think? Cuz like he's like marching towards T- Tiffany with like his knife at the very end. I, I'm like I, I can't imagine she'd be dead. She, I don't think she's dead. I think either Nika saves her for her own bullshit or like Chucky is like I can't kill Tiff. Or, there's something I bet there's something. So good. We're ready for season 3. We sure are. I cannot wait. I know. Uh, I'm very excited. We made it through. We did. We made it through. So then uh, what do we... What's next for us, Terry? So um, next week, I think we're going to be talking with Robbie Banfitch. So we're doing something a little different. So we wanted to like try to find ways to get um, guests back on the show. And one of the things we've been thinking about was doing like... A little cuts episode where, where someone comes on the show and brings them a movie whatever movie they want to talk about and so we sort of do a little little cuts and we talk about the movie they want to they want to talk about we sort of catch up that kind of stuff because there's a lot of people we'd love to have back on the show yeah lots of people but it's kind of hard so this is a our fun little trial. experiment yeah um and so you know schedules are a little wonky so we're hoping that we're going to be able to talk with him um, and that will be our next episode. And he wants to bring this movie called Planet of the Dinosaurs. And it has, for those watching at home, a glorious t- poster. And he loves this fucking movie. He posted, a, he tweeted a picture from like 1995 that he drew a bunch of dinosaurs. So I'm very excited because like, he loves dinosaurs. Yeah. So. So that's our plan. Um, like all things could always go astray because we're going to be recording it next week but that's what we're anticipating for next little cuts but speaking of found footage directors who do we chat with on for monday mary beth so on monday we are chatting with madeline kessner who is the festival director of the unnamed footage festival which is a footage a festival dedicated to all things found footage and pseudo documentary and in-world camera and she brought with her that fucking movie Munchie. Jesus so if you've Christ. seen you've seen both of us tweeting about Munchie, that's why. Because we watch Munchie with Madeline Kastner. And we talk about Munchie and the cosmic horror of Munchie. And it's very good. And we talk a lot about found footage and then also about like... Yeah. And um, she, re- she gives us the deets on some of the big movies that are going to be playing. Um, stuff that hasn't been released yet, but might be released by the time... That episode is out because it's a, a little unsure, but if not, you might be getting an exclusive if you listen on Monday, it's and you will be getting an exclusive well of announcement from us in that episode too. So, a little it's teaser for, listen, for Monday. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Good old Mary Beth 
Mitch. Bitch. Mitch. So, listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Did you watch anything that we watched this weekend? Have thoughts? Do you have suggestions for guests that you want to see on Little Cuts? You can let us know um, via email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I'm at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And, of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at scarredpodcast. Please don't forget to review, rate, make sure you are subscribed. It helps us out. And if you want to help support us, speaking of which, uh, we have a Patreon. There is a new seltzer for March. And in a few days, there will be a new Fresh Wounds episode. That there sure fucking will be. Went for like an hour and 40-ish minutes of... Yeah, it's almost two hours. Of us talking about this divisive film that I think more people should watch. Yeah, I agree. Um... Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. When you pick up some scratches, cause you want a fun break, the playful way you scratch is the next choice you should make. You can make your dog's leg kick and scratch with that. You could even grab a laser pointer and use your cap. You can build yourself a homemade scratching machine or use a piece from your chest set. Go ahead, grab the queen. Scratch like a DJ with your record player. A cactus could scratch off that scratchable layer. Cause when it comes to scratching, there's a million playful ways. Thanks to scratches from the California lottery, a little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase, play, or claim. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.